So we often cite the importance of organizational justice as a key indicator of a culture of accountability. Justice has to be blind within a corporate setting. Bad actors have to be investigated and senior leaders held responsible for such wrongdoing, whether personally committed or whether caused by lack of appropriate supervision. They have to be held accountable in a consistent manner. Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime and Compliance, you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkoff. Well, hello, everyone. Michael Volkoff. We're here for a uh, discussion about corporate culture. And this is one of my favorite topics. And I spend a lot of time sort of talking and writing about this because, as I always say, you know, your corporate culture, your culture of ethics and compliance is your best control. It's your most effective and most important control. And it's your most valuable and tangible asset, which is your culture of ethics and compliance. And everyone has jumped on to the corporate culture bandwagon. And for some new converts, they like to espouse, you know, corporate culture is a recent discovery or some newfangled approach for compliance programs. The story of corporate culture as a talismanic tool for ethics and compliance or even a prerequisite is really nothing new. Chief compliance officers knew the importance of corporate culture from the beginning. A number of companies separately called out ethics, either as part of the chief compliance officer's responsibilities, or by creating a standalone chief ethics officer position. Going back in time to 2010 is when the U.S. Sentencing Commission identified the importance of ethics to an ethics and compliance program, and corporate ethics in particular, they called out, and added a specific reference to ethics. And the COSO framework incorporated the importance of tone at the top and the obvious connection to corporate culture. Now, DOJ, in its recent amendments to its evaluation of corporate compliance programs, and going back to even the original version in 2019, DOJ fully embraced the importance of corporate culture. In my view, they sort of came to the party late, but, you know, the old adage goes, better late than never. And in its recent enforcement actions and revisions, DOJ has emphasized the importance of a corporate culture of ethics and compliance. Now, aside from the government emphasis, business leaders mouth the importance of corporate culture without truly understanding the significance of corporate culture on the ground level. There's always a disconnect in my mind. Corporate leaders, CEOs, C-suiteers, they know instinctively that corporate culture is important, but they ignore the obvious importance of positive culture as a determinant of employee productivity, morale, and ultimately performance. And some business leaders now seek to establish their companies as quote-unquote ethical performers without really understanding the ins and outs of culture, how to build a corporate culture, and how to actually promote an ethical culture and then maintain it. Many business leaders know what to say, but really they have no clue on what to do when it comes to corporate culture. And the question is still unclear if business organizations are really ready beyond mere lip service, to make the real commitment and investment in their culture. There are numerous indications that organizations have embraced, for example, a higher purpose 
that incorporates culture as an important objective. The business roundtable redefined the purpose of a corporation, and the ESG movement has incorporated corporate culture as a valuable priority in the corporate governance framework. Most companies, however, really lack true leadership and commitment to a corporate culture of compliance. And in this regard, few companies, if any, have invested sufficiently to match the requirements, the stakeholder demand, and to earn the tangible benefits from attending to their corporate culture. So I'm going to review some of the steps and tasks needed to walk through how you sort of tackle this problem. And there's no better way to start than at the beginning. So for example, how do you define your culture? What is your mission? What are your corporate values? It's not a trivial task. It's an important task, but it cannot be reduced to the simple phrase of, hey, we just do the right thing. Every company has a distinct culture akin to an individual's DNA. It is the embodiment of its values, the manner in which it interacts with key constituents, employees, customers, vendors, suppliers, the community, and other stakeholders. A company's history, if long, may define key characteristics by which the company grew, developed its history, its products, its services, and delivered to their customers. For younger companies, the startup period may define its culture in tandem with its key business functions. And in one respect, however, every company shares one key question. What is its mission? There is no simple question, for it leads to a broad consideration of purpose and motivations. But employees need to feel connected to the company's mission, and leaders have to help bridge that important link. Why is the company here, and what is it trying to accomplish? Now, within this framework, company leaders and employees have to meet to articulate and define their common values and motivations. This inevitably defines the company's definition of internal and external social interactions. A company that works collaboratively with each other and values that will likely do so with its customers. External marketing and messaging can become a natural outgrowth of a common purpose that is executed daily internally within the company. So we all know and see how companies use their culture to define their purpose and market to customers with that objective in mind. I always point to and love Simon Sinek's famous lecture on the power of why, because that's an important example of the dynamic. Once defined, the trick to embedding the culture is not only to message around the culture, but importantly, and even more importantly, to act in furtherance of the common values and purpose. This is where senior leadership plays the critical role. Messaging and behaviors that are defined by an organizational idea quickly become the message that is carried to the middle and throughout an organization. Managers and employees will repeat the message, behave in accordance with the expectations surrounding the message, and then enforce the message if they observe leadership demonstrating its commitment to that message. And as I mentioned, as a company's most valuable intangible asset, we have witnessed the wreckage of companies that have fallen victim to reputational damage, scandal, and ultimately the wasteland of a rotten corporate culture. In these situations, employee misconduct rates increase, wrongdoing and scandal surround the company, and corporate leaders ultimately fall from failing to sail the corporate ship in the right direction. There are telltale signs of companies that fall down this drain. Employee misconduct occurs, corporate actors are not held accountable, and the message, whether implicit or even explicit, is anything goes in pursuit of business or short-term 
objectives. The risk of short-termism rather than long-term sustainability inevitably challenges companies to forego instant gratification for long-term financial growth and sustainability and performance. Leaders have to manage this perspective and rely on a defined corporate culture to do so, and it can be integrated together to reinforce both aspects, financial performance, but also behavioral performance. Managers and employees take their cues from corporate leaders and the examples they set. So we often cite the importance of organizational justice as a key indicator of a culture of accountability. Justice has to be blind within a corporate setting. Bad actors have to be investigated and senior leaders held responsible for such wrongdoing, whether personally committed or whether caused by lack of appropriate supervision. They have to be held accountable in a consistent manner. The Justice Department's recent focus on recoupment and benefits and financial benefits and accountability provides companies with an opportunity to design and instill a framework within which accountability can be achieved. Senior leaders who accomplish certain objectives, including promotion of ethical cultures, should be rewarded. On the other hand, those that engage in wrongdoing or permit others to engage in misconduct have to suffer discipline, up to termination and recoupment of financial benefits. The Justice Department's emphasis on this basic point is correct. Companies that fail to act in response to DOJ's direction are playing with fire and ignoring a real opportunity to instill positive change. Corporate cultures and financial performance will improve, and a failure to act means standing still and waiting for something bad to happen. It inevitably will. So there's two basic principles underlying DOJ's recent actions. First, that companies have to hold actors accountable on a consistent basis, and that uneven discipline and consequences will damage a company's culture in no time flat. Second, companies that hold actors accountable for wrongdoing or failure to supervise need to do so quickly and in an even-handed manner. Adding to this mix, those companies that provide positive incentives for officers, managers, employees who adhere to and promote ethics and compliance will inevitably benefit even more. Organizational justice has to be swift, fair, even-handed, and ultimately transparent to the corporate world. Companies have to publicize its rewards and punishment to ensure that the message is clear. The company means what it says and will enforce its expectations. Now, transparency and publicizing corporate rewards and discipline are two distinct and mutually reinforcing concepts. Transparency builds trust and increases employee engagement of the system. If employees believe the system works, they will engage the system report concerns, seek justice, and bring important insights to supervisors, human resources, and compliance staff. Transparency means openness and accuracy with regard to the system and how it works and what expectations are real. Publicizing rewards and disciplinary actions is another important way to build trust by showing the company's officers, managers, employees that the system is working. For years, companies have been making such disclosures as part of their sustainability reports. Corporate disclosures in this area use anonymous references and general descriptions of specific actions taken in disciplining employees who engage in misconduct. DOJ has characterized all of these publications of employee misconduct rates, reporting of employee concerns, internal investigations, substantiation rates, and disciplinary results, and has categorized all of this 
under a new umbrella called consequence management. In other words, companies have to devote attention to incentives, disincentives, and the resulting performance and maintenance of its culture under this general rubric. The message now has become much clearer. Accountability is at the core, but the fact is that companies have to ensure that disincentives and critical functions surrounding accountability are operating together to create an overall positive result. Once defined, installed, and surrounded with consequence management system, a corporate culture is not fixed in stone, however. To the contrary, as the business adapts through growth, innovation, or in response to outside market and social forces, a company's culture operates dynamically to reflect all of these influence. influences. Change is inevitable for business and for, obviously, individuals in life. With this perspective, companies cannot just sit back and watch their culture evolve. Rather, like everything else important in life, businesses must attend to its culture. Most importantly, a company has to continuously monitor its culture and measure its performance. The most significant reflection of a company's culture is employee perception and ultimately rates of misconduct. When a company's culture is positive, rates of misconduct stay low or decline. Employees working in a positive culture value the company, are less willing to cut corners or to stand idly by when misconduct occurs. Employees that value the company and its culture will act to prevent harm by reporting concerns to supervisors, HR, compliance, or through a hotline. A robust reporting system with active participation is a positive, not a negative, reflection of a company's culture. When people care, they act. They report. When people don't care, they don't act, and they stay silent. And a silent hotline with low reporting rates is an important indicator of a deteriorating culture. Chief compliance officers have to redefine their immediate tasks and responsibilities to reflect this new reality and emphasis on corporate culture. CCOs have to find specific ways to measure a company's culture, whether by surveys, focus groups, interviews, roundtables, or other means, and regularly report on these measures and applicable trends to senior management and ultimately the board of directors. Companies that wait for a scandal to occur before acting have failed to do their job. Proactive compliance means prevention and focusing on your company's culture. I regularly advocate that CEOs attend to at least one culture-related reporting task each quarter and bring that information to senior management and the board. If a CCO is concerned about potential misconduct in a specific region, for example, the CCO should execute a quick pulse survey limited to the specific area, and report on the results. If the survey confirms the existence of potential issues, a CCO must intervene or organize an intervention to address the concern, reinforce adherence to basic code of conduct principles, and report on the specific steps. To follow up on these actions, the CCO has to monitor the indicators of culture. Misconduct, reporting issues, financial concerns, HR issues, all an attempt to gain clarity. CCOs have to embrace this robust monitoring procedure. It is an essential part of their responsibilities to monitor a company's culture. It's a challenge for CCOs, and many fail to devote the attention needed to this issue. It is too easy to fall back on past concerns, such as training program attendance and after-the-fact audits. Proactive focus means real commitment to prevention. 
nipping a problem in the bud can be the real measure of success. Senior management and the board have to expect a CCO to tend to its culture. If not, they are sending the wrong message through priorities. Monitoring, intervention, and remediation require a real-time focus and constant questioning of trends, interventions, and measurement of results. An intervention is only good when it improves performance as measured by key indicators and trends of culture. This holistic approach is not easy. It requires clear definitions of responsibilities, strategies for monitoring and intervention, and acknowledgement of performance after remediation. Some strategies may work, others may fail. A CCO committed to making things work will act based on educated and informed strategies. Working collaboratively with partners such as the business, HR, legal, and finance, a CCO can bring about real culture improvements with a joint mission focused on one important asset, a corporate culture of ethics and compliance. Again, the most valuable and tangible asset that a company owns in its portfolio. So that's just a quick look at uh, corporate culture issues. It's important to dig into these and to get into issues such as how do you assess your culture? How do you monitor it? How do you intervene? How do you remediate when necessary? It's one of my most important priorities in working with companies to make sure that they put the company in a position to perform as best they can financially when you have a culture of ethics and compliance embedded in your corporate operations. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week with another episode of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com.